One of the perks of my job, if I can put it in that terminology, is that I, and one of my favorites, is that I get to hear firsthand, uh, usually firsthand, the incredible testimonies of God's miraculous work in the lives of our people, and the people of this fellowship. Well, this week I got to hear two of those, and they were most inspiring testimonies of the favor of God, two unrelated situations and two different circumstances entirely. And I've received permission from both of these uh, families or people in the church to just, I'm, I'm going to leave their names out, I'll let them tell the story personally if they want to, but I, but I have permission to tell you essentially what took place. The first one started with a, a pretty desperate text that, uh, that I received on Tuesday morning of this week, myself and uh, most of the other, many of the other pastors received the same text as well. It was from a wife of a couple of our church asking us to pray because they had received the overwhelming news on Monday that her husband had been released from his job after working 14 years for the same company. Um, and he's good at what he does, has a fine reputation for being skilled in his particular field of work, but for whatever reason, uh, he was released after this long tenure. So his wife's words were, went something like this, we're devastated that we're left with no severance, with, uh, with no health insurance carryover, with nothing. And so pastors, would you please pray? And we did, we did pray. But then an update came late on Friday afternoon, which said that very shortly after being released, I don't know how long very shortly is, but very shortly after being released from the one company, the husband was contacted by another prominent com company, and the husband was offered a job and presented with what the wife called a huge offer. I don't know what a huge offer, but I know it sounds good to me. I like huge. Without, and this offer came to him without even a face-to-face -face meeting. They just called him based upon uh, his reputation for his fine work in the industry. The new company is carrying over the insurance, taking care of everything. So can I just say this family is thrilled beyond words, wouldn't you be? So let me just tell you what that is. We have a phrase for that. And I want us to know, and it actually is uh, what I want to talk to you about today. That's called the favor of the Lord. Say that with me. Favor of the Lord. And then just yesterday, I received an email from a dear lady in our church. She said that for a number of years, she's been in the home a while, but she had experienced a certain odor in certain rooms of her house. It's an older home, and so she just figured it was a sewer leak, and she had postponed having it repaired for financial reasons, just couldn't afford to uh, have it done, wasn't sure what it would cost. But it got so bad that she finally called a plumber this week, and he came in on Friday, and the first thing he said when he walked in was, you have a gas leak, is what he told her. So once he was under the house and he found a crumbling section of pipe near a bathroom where the water dripped, he said, lady, all I can tell you is this. He said, it's a very good thing that you don't smoke. That's all I can tell you. And she said, well, I, I, but I had to tell him, but I do burn candles all the time. So for now, the gas is off. The meter is disconnected, she has no stove or oven, and her only hot water is what was already in the hot water heater, but thank God the plumber is coming tomorrow on Monday. She said, Pastor, I'm a little anxious about how much it's going to cost, but I want to know that you know this, I'm extremely grateful for God's divine protection from my ignorance on the whole thing, and the smell is completely gone. Let me tell you what that is not. That's not luck. That's not coincidence. That's not karma. That's Jesus protecting his people. It's called the favor of the Lord. 
Now let's, let's understand this very clearly today. It's the plan of Satan to take you out and to bring you down. It's the plan of Satan that you would not even be here today. But the blessing of God is that he is working on your behalf. Bless his name all the time. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, ever making intercession for you, doing the things that you never even see he's doing for you and aren't even aware of. How many would say we have a great God today? So let me just say this. You are here not because of coincidence. You are here in this place not because of karma. You are here not because of luck. Jesus has you here today. So church, I think we can all agree on this. It's the blessing of God in our lives that is so amazing. If you agree with that, put your hands together and bless him today. But my message to us, which is very simple, my message to us today is that if we are not careful, listen to me, listen. If we are not careful, something very dangerous can happen within us that can cause us, oh, I hope you hear this today. I'm going to do my best, but I want you to listen to me. That can cause us to forget how amazing God's blessings are to us. And just to show you how it can happen to those of us who are human, I'm going to take you back thousands of years to a story in the book of Exodus. It's when the children of Israel are getting ready to leave Egypt. I'm actually going to read several passages of Scripture just for us to get the message, and I'm, I'm hoping you'll really follow, follow me as I read it this morning. And can I just say this? I, I still believe there's such power in simply reading the Word of God. Is anybody with me today? I discovered a quote that I think is significant. I don't like it, and uh, the man who wrote it is an atheist. He's completely an anti-Christian, but what he said about Christians is absolutely true, and it has to do with this thing about reading the Word of God. He said this, listen to this. He said, to most Christians, the Bible is like a software license. Nobody actually reads it. They just scroll down to the bottom and click on, I agree. Well, this morning, guess what? I'm going to read the Bible to you today, and we're going to see what it has to say. The children of Israel were in slavery and in chains for some 400 plus years, and then God sent his deliverance. But in Exodus, Exodus chapter 3, we have the beginning of a story that I want to weave together for us today, and I want to ask the, uh, the word to speak to us, to our hearts today. Exodus chapter 3, I'm starting in verse 21, where the Lord says... And I will cause, to the children of Israel, I will cause the Egyptians to look favorably upon you. In fact, they're going to give you gifts when you go so that you will not leave empty-handed. Now, hold on a second. These would be the same Egyptians who treated the Israelites horribly in Exodus chapter 1. They were slave drivers over them. They wore them down with crushing labor. They killed their baby boys. That's why Moses was at risk and in jeopardy. So, but what, what is he saying? I'm going to cause those Egyptians who've treated you so poorly, I'm going to cause them to look favorably on you. In fact, they're going to give you gifts when you go so that you will not leave empty-handed. Verse 22, every Israelite woman will ask for articles of silver and gold and fine clothing from her Egyptian neighbors. 
and from the foreign women in their houses. You will dress your sons and daughters with these, stripping or plundering, some versions say plundering, the Egyptians of their wealth. So God is saying this to a people who have been in slavery to these Egyptians for over 400 years. Put it all in context with me this morning. And he's telling them, there's coming a day where you ladies are going to walk into your neighbor's house and you're going to say, mm, I like that. I'm going to take that. I'll, I'll take one of those. I'm going to take both of those. Mm, that's fine. I really want that one too. That's what you're going to do. I'll take this and this and this. And you will walk out of the Egyptians' home having stripped or plundered them of their wealth. And they will not even know what has happened. Why is this happening? It's the same reason of the two testimonies that I gave you just a few minutes ago. It's happening because the favor of God was upon their life. Now, don't you find it interesting that he says he wants the women to go ask their neighbors? And he doesn't send the men. I hear ladies only laughing right now. I think that's because women are better at asking for things than men. Case in point, who is it that's willing to ask for directions when you get lost? It's not the men. Must have been the same situation back in Bible times. Well, let me fast forward this and show you the fulfillment of the whole thing is I'm going to ask you to slide with me over to Exodus chapter 11. Exodus 11. I'm starting at verse 2, which says, Tell all the Israelite men, he is including the men now, and women to ask their Egyptian neighbors for articles of silver and gold. Now, the Lord had caused the Egyptians to look favorably on the people of Israel. So now we see they're starting the process of doing the thing that God has asked them to do. God's telling them, go to your neighbor's house, go to your Egyptian neighbor and tell them, ask them for their articles of silver, silver and gold. And then I want you to skip one over one more chapter to chapter 12 and let me show you what takes place. Exodus 12, verse 35. And the people of Israel did as Moses had instructed. God gave the instructions through Moses. The people of Israel did as Moses had instructed. They asked the Egyptians for clothing and articles of silver and gold. The Lord caused the Egyptians to look favorably on the Israelites. And they gave the Israelites whatever they asked for. And so they, the Israelites, stripped or plundered the Egyptians of their wealth. Now, you know what? plunder means. I don't have to explain that to you. It's a word of war. It's a word of, of victory in war. It means, uh, anytime it's used, it means that you have come in by force and taken what you want. But what we see here in this story is that the opposite situation has happened. They didn't come in by force. They came in with the favor of God upon them. Not one weapon in their hand not a sword girded to their belt, not a spear or any type of weapon whatsoever. They literally just came into the people who had held them hostage for such a long time and said, we'd like all that stuff and some retroactive payment. And the Bible says, this will come to you as a result of the favor of God. So what is the favor of God? Probably the best way to describe it would be this. It's when God shows special attention on you or bestows his special attention on you and gets people to cooperate with you who otherwise would not cooperate with you. 
Have you ever run into somebody who does not cooperate with you? Let me see by a show of hands. How many of you can say, though, by a show of hands again, I want to see that you have experienced the favor of God in your life. Let me see. You've experienced the favor of God, so you know what I'm talking about. Where you've walked into a situation, and you knew when you walked in full well that it could go absolutely bad, but the favor of God helped you through it. Well, this word favor is used in, in, a lot in relationships this way. We know that it's, it, the Bible says of Jesus that, that he grew in favor with God and he grew in favor with man. So the word is used here when you're in a situation where people would be against you or, or they would make life difficult for you or, or maybe even bring harm to you, but somehow God intervenes in a situation like that and he brings favor to you. There's a, a phrase that we use around here. We choir even sings a song about it. You probably heard it. And if you hear it for the first time, you go, that's a strange phrase. But it's this. We call it, but God. And what we mean by that is we might be in trying circumstances or a difficult situation, but because of God's divine intervention, it could have gone like this, but God stepped in and made the difference. That's what we mean by that, God's divine intervention. He intervenes. Another way of saying that is he brings his favor, the favor of the Lord upon you. And that's exactly what happened with these Egyptians and the children of Israel. So why would the Egyptians, the Egyptians who've held these people hostage for 400 years, why would they even cooperate? Simply because it's clear in every passage that God had put his favor upon his people. So who needs God's favor? Well, I would say the defenseless need God's favor. Those who are, who are weak or who feel underpowered or, or, or don't, don't have what they, they need. So not only the defenseless need God's favor, but the resourceless need God's favor. Has anybody ever felt resourceless in your life? Anybody? You don't have the money. You don't have the clout. You don't have the cachet. You don't have the stuff that it needs to accomplish this, but you need the favor of the Lord. But I got to ask you, how do slaves in one day plunder the strongest nation on the planet? It's only by the favor of God. The Egyptians were giving all their stuff to the Israelites, and, and probably even the scripture would lead us to believe, even wondering, why were they, why, why are we doing this? And, and I can almost see the Egyptians saying something like this, sure, here, take this, let me get this down. Here, I don't know why I didn't give it to you sooner. Here, take this, take this. Under God's favor, the Egyptians who were killing them the day before are now equipping them and helping them the day after that. That's nothing short of the miracle of God. But now, but now, I have to show you where the blessing that the Israelites received, and you understand it, hopefully I've made it clear, the blessing that the Israelites received, how it went wrong, and in it lies a lesson for you and for me today. So here's the Israelites who kept knocking on the doors of their Egyptian neighbors saying, I'll take this, I'll, I'll, I'll take that and a couple of those, sure. I like those mugs right there. And the Israelites walked out with everything. They walked out with all of it. Well, one more fast forward where I'm going to read to you some verses from one more chapter and then I'm going to make my one point, my one simple point today. Exodus 32. Moses is off 
receiving the Ten Commandments. He's receiving the law of God. And while he's gone for some 40 days, guess what happened to the people? The people became impatient. Can you imagine that? They became impatient. And while they're becoming impatient, something happens. A rogue leader rises up and decides that he's got a bright idea. So let's read it. Exodus 32, verse 1. When the people saw how long it was taking Moses, how long it was taking Moses to come back down the mountain, they gathered around Aaron. Come on, they said. Make us some gods who can lead us. We, we, don't, we don't know what happened to this dude Moses. It's worded a little different in your Bible probably. We don't know what happened to Moses who brought us here from the land of Egypt. And so Aaron got the bright idea and he said, um, take the gold rings from the ears of your wives and sons and daughters. Guys, I guess we're wearing earrings back then. Take the gold rings from the ears of your wives and sons and daughters and, and um, it, bring them to me. And all the people took the gold rings from their ears and brought them to Aaron. And then Aaron took the gold and he melted it down and molded it into the shape of a calf. When the people saw it, they exclaimed, Oh, Israel, these are the gods who brought you out of the land of Egypt. So here's my question. Maybe, maybe you can answer it for me today. Where did the slaves get the gold to make their calf? Where did they get the stuff needed to make that idol? Where did that come from? Understand, this is just days and, or maybe weeks later from what had just happened in their deliverance from Egypt. And suddenly they are pulling earrings out of their ears when for 400 years you have lived in deplorable circumstances and had nothing. Your life was a living hell as a slave. And now you have the resources and the ability to make a golden calf. Good for you. The gold you acquired only by the favor of God only by the favor of God, I said only by, is now being used to make an idol. Does anybody see a problem with that? Or am I the only one? The goal that God gave them by a miracle, really, is now being used to break the first commandments that Moses is off right now while you're doing that. You're using that to break those first commandments. You know, you could, you could say it like this. The favor of God is now being used as the enemy of God. Prepare thyself. I'm going in for the kill in just a minute. And that which was the favor of God is being formed into an idol of a golden calf. And here at 11.36 a.m. 
is my one point. What have you received as a result of the favor of God on your life that is now keeping you from God? Think for a moment. What has God given you, dear friend, by nothing that you have done or nothing that you or I have deserved that now this very thing has morphed into something else? And the very thing that is supposed to remind us how incredible our God is, the very thing that is supposed to be making us ever aware that we serve an an incredible, amazing God who can provide, who can change circumstances, who can lift us up out of the pit that we're in, the thing that's supposed to remind us of that is now driving us away from Him. The gifts and blessings that God gives to us are not given to us so that we can then act independently and turn them into an idol. No, 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 no. They are to remind us that we serve an awesome God who alone deserves all the praise and all the glory all the time. What is it that God has given to me that I have allowed my gratitude for it to dissipate and now I'm marketing it, losing complete sight of what God has given to me? What blessing that you have received has morphed into an idol that you now worship? This is why we can never, 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 never forget who gave us what we have. The psalm I mentioned last week, I didn't get time to preach the message. That very well-known psalm, Psalm 103, says it best. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Where's Larry Adley? I've heard you quote this more often than anybody else. Bless the Lord, O my soul. What's the next line say, Larry? And forget not all his... I can't hear you. And bless the Lord, O my soul. And forget not all his benefits. All we got to say this morning is, God, let us never, ever... Ever, ever forget what you have lavished upon us. In our American culture where we deserve everything, we have a right to everything, you know, that's just the norm for us. Let us never forget from the largest thing to the smallest, it's only because you, God, have lavished it upon us. Everything we have, church, is only because he has given it to you. Can you say amen to that today? For some of us sitting here this morning, for some of you, Other people's normal would be a miracle for you. What is normal, just happenstance and routine for other people, would absolutely be a miracle for you. Let me me get just crazy practical with you for just a moment, just to make the point. I talked to one man this week a couple of times who just wishes he had a car to be able to get to church. He doesn't have a car. He's in terrible physical condition. He's got all kinds of other issues. In the process of all that, he can't drive. He doesn't have a vehicle. Most of us today drove a car, maybe a motorcycle. Most of us drove something to get here today. How often do you hop in that car and drive to church with never the thought that it's God who gave you that car? 
Now, I don't want to be overly simplistic about it this morning, but I want to just take it a step further and say this. God blessed you, dear friend, with legs to get you from your car or your motorcycle into the sanctuary today. What's normal for some is miraculous for somebody else. You want to know why I'm thinking about that? Let me tell you why. Because it was one year ago, just about right now, that a doctor looked me straight in the eye at an office in South Lake, Texas. My daughter was with me. can verify what, what happened. And he looked me straight in the eye and he said, Mr. Smith, I, I, the surgery's over, but we don't know for sure if you're going to ever regain use of that left leg again for the rest of your life. I said, you mean, what do you mean for the rest? For the, that's pretty explanatory. For the rest of your life. You may never have use of that leg again. It all depends on how that nerve that was so severely damaged and pinched by the herniation in your back will respond to therapy. And we just don't know. It was severely damaged. It might come back. It might not. We're just going to have to wait and see. Currently, your leg, he told me, is beginning to atrophy, and it was. And you may be crippled for the rest of your life. You may never again, Mr. Smith, one year ago, right about now, you may never again regain the strength in that leg. Can I just tell you that today I'm thankful for the favor of the Lord that I'm walking on two legs. And I mean it. You need to be thankful for the favor of the Lord that you have eyes to even read your Bible. Or that you were even able to look at these screens and read the scripture off the screens today. How dare we allow what God has given to us to be turned into some independent thinking that we think we did this all by ourselves. No, dear friend, God did that for you. While I'm on this track, really? Okay, she asked for it. So you're all going to get it. Sometimes in our service, we'll have um, someone have a strong reaction to worship and praise. In fact, it, it, it could be most anything. Someone may jump. Someone might even give a shout. It, it's happened. I've heard it. Now, I'm all for things being done decently and in order. I, I've read that. I, I, I think that's fine, and I'm, I'm all good with that. However... You know, and I know I need to respect the fact that you weren't raised in a church where people had human reactions. I get that. And I know you're cool, and we've got to honor that. I know that. But every once in a while, we'll have someone have some kind of reaction, and other folks can get embarrassed by it. And they might say, really, really? They have to jump at everything? Really? They have to jump on every song? I mean, we don't even like that song, and he's jumping on it. Until you find out that that guy has been saved and redeemed from the pit of destruction, from a life of drugs and alcohol, and Jesus has set him free. And he has a life today that he would not have had without Jesus. And then you'll be ready to say, jump, brother, jump. Jump all you want to. 
I'm in the crazy practical mode still. Maybe it was a miracle, ladies, that you had enough money to get your nails done this week. Or your hair done. Whatever it is. All I can tell you is that what other people take for granted is just being normal. We understand it's the favor of God on us and we are going to bless the Lord and forget not all his benefits. Everything you have is a blessing from God, which is why, which is why you should never, ever be intimidated in your worship. I got to be honest with you about something. You want it? Some of you, I see you in other circumstances. Boy, you can worship and praise. You can do whatever. Something about when you walk through the doors of this room, you just. (laughs) Hallelujah. I have stood here. I've stood there. I've stood all over this platform. I've stood right over there. And I've wondered, where are the worshipers in this house today? Where's a person who's willing to understand that it's because of the favor of God on their life that they have everything that they have and they're saying, bless the Lord, oh my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Where is that person? That's why when we understand that clearly, we should never be intimidated in our worship. Because let me just tell you something, dear precious one. You don't know what I've been through. You don't know like I know. Others don't know the struggles that you have faced. So here's a thought. We ought to be so in love with Jesus, so thankful for his favor in our lives when we walk into the corporate worship service that no matter how much someone else may try to intimidate you in your worship, this morning I'm declaring on this day at 1146, I am watching the clock, at 1146, you have my permission to say something to them and here's what you can say. Dear one, until your resume says creation, until your resume says resurrection, I don't care what you think of my worship. I don't care. And here's why. I'm not worshiping you. I'm worshiping the one who's pardoned my iniquities who's healed all my diseases, who's redeemed my life from the pit of destruction, who's crowned me with loving kindness and tender mercies and satisfied my years with good things. Come on, bless the Lord in this house today. All my soul and all that is within me, bless his holy name. You don't know what the Lord has done in my life. You don't know how thankful I am to have this leg today. So because of that right now, my hands are going up, my voice is lifted up, my hands are going to clap, and I'm going to say, God is worthy. He's worthy. He's worthy. He's worthy. Everything we have, Lord, is from you. Every breath that we draw is from you. Every beat of our heart is from you. Every step that we take is from you. Every blink of our eye is from you. 
So bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Somebody say hallelujah. Now sit down, I'm not done. We need to learn how to thank God for every blessing, small to large. God, protect us from taking something you have given to us and us turning it into an idol. From a marriage to, a, a, to children to a job. Let me just be thankful, oh God, and know that I'm a steward of everything you have given me. Someone reminded me recently that the songs on earth are totally different than the songs in heaven. That when a cherubim in heaven is crying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Here's what we know. He's crying that from a perfect environment. From a, he's crying that out from a perfect celestial situation. And he's face to face with God himself. But the song of the redeemed is different. Let the redeemed of the Lord today say so. The song of the redeemed is not in heaven with angels flying around with God before them. Do you know why, dear church, your song is different today when you worship God? It's because somehow it's amazing. But you have the ability that despite what you have gone through, there could be cancer in your body today, but somehow your hands can still be lifted in praise to Him. That's the song of the redeemed. There could be an unsaved spouse in your home, but somehow you're still able to rejoice before the Lord today. There could be a prodigal son or daughter that you're praying for, but somehow you're able to shout the song of the redeemed. And here's the wonderful part of that, that God takes note that even in your pain, even in your less than perfect circumstances, you're still able to worship Jesus today in this house. Bless the name of the Lord. So what is it that God has given to you that has changed its form? It's gotten kind of shiny, and it's gotten kind of gold-like, and every once in a while it goes, moo. Could it be your ability to sing? Could it be your ability to play an instrument with great skill and anointing? Could it be any one of these pastors here with their incredible skill to communicate and minister? Could it be your ability to teach? Could it be your ability to make money? That God, because of the favor of God resting on you, that's the only reason why you can do that. What is it that God has given to you that finds itself changing its form to go from this incredible blessing by the favor of God knocking on an Egyptian door and having everything handed over to you. And then you take that very thing that God has given to you by way of a miracle, and you form an idol out of it. Think of the audacity of that. Look what God did. The people who had you in chains, 
you're now receiving this incredible blessing that God has given to you. And just because a man delays 40 days on a mountain and he's writing the Ten Commandments that you're breaking while he's up there writing them. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image. And you're, you make the image while he's writing the commandment straight from God. What is it for you? The favor of God that he's given to you. That you've allowed it to turn sour. It can happen with gifting. It can become an idol. It can happen with your health. Some of you have known what it is to suffer great physical pain. But then God touches you and brings his healing. Never forget, never, 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 never forget. That's the favor of God on your life. But he blesses us so that we don't turn it into an idol, but rather that we lavish our praise on him. Whether he's given you an incredible job, prospered you financially, please remember there's one reason and one reason only for that. It's for the glory of God and to bless him and to do something for him. That's why he's done that. And yes, we can turn so many blessings into an idol, whether it's our culture, our race, our nationality. It was Charles Spurgeon who said this. He said, be not proud of race, face, place, or grace, because it all comes from God. Be not proud of race, face, place, or grace, because it all comes from God. Be not proud of race. God didn't make you black. I'm sorry, you didn't make yourself black. God made you black. You didn't make yourself Hispanic. God made you Hispanic. God did that. So don't ever get prideful over something that you really had no part of creating. God made you that way for some special reason. Be not proud of race or face. That doesn't matter how good looking you are and how much money you spend on it to keep, try to stay good looking. Because let me tell you something, sweetheart, that's going to be gone in just a few years. Perfect example right here. Be not proud. And I ain't spent nothing on this. This was totally free. Be not proud of race, face, and don't even be proud of place, Spurgeon said. Isn't it funny how once we've gotten to moving on up geographically, we forget from whence we came. If you're like Becky and I, we start off with nothing. Nothing. Let me talk to you about nothing. We lived in a basement apartment. It was eight apartments in this one building. It's all we could afford. Ours was the basement. We had windows right up here. All we could see was the legs of all the senior citizens walking by. That'll bless you folks every morning, let me just tell you. One night we had cookies for supper. That's all we could afford. Next night we had cotton candy for supper. We have a thing for sweets at our house. We knew what it was to have nothing. Absolutely nothing. <clears throat> but here's what happens. Those of you who've, God's blessed you, his favor's on you. You've, you've moved on up a little bit. Now you live in Highland Park. You live in... I don't want to call out names. <laughs> you live in heritage traits. You live whatever. You Fort Worth people, come on. You came from Cowtown. Just remember that. <laughs> Be not proud of race, face, place. 
Because wherever you live, you need Jesus, wherever you live. Doesn't matter where you live, you need the protection of God, wherever it is. So don't make place an idol. Don't idolize where you live or what you look like or what race you are. And don't even idolize grace. It's not anything you have done. It's all what God has done for you. It's the favor of God on your life. Has God blessed you with something that has taken on another form? If you're here today, maybe you're not even a Christian. You've not given your life to Christ. I'm going to just say it real straight to you. Your life is not even yours. God has given you the life that you have. And it belongs to him. I never want God's blessing turned into anything but gratitude and praise. And the only protection that you and I have, which was the, uh, against that which was obtained by a, a miracle being turned into an idol, being melted down to a golden calf, the only protection we have to keep that from happening, there's two things, humility and gratitude. Say it with me. Humility. Humility that simply says, it's all from you, God. I, I, I didn't do anything to have this. My voice to sing, my ability to play, whatever it is to teach, it's all from you, God. And it's gratitude that every day when you awake, your first thought is this, God, I thank you for another day. I'm just glad I woke up again this morning, Lord. Let me tell you, this whole gratitude thing goes a long, 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 long way. You'll be surprised how much a little gratitude would do. My dear wife is in New York City this weekend. She's been in the, worked in the apparel industry for many, many years, and she was summoned to go to a thing they had to do in New York City. I put her on the plane yesterday morning. But how many know that before she leaves, she hands me a list. I got a list. <laughs> Is there any other husband in the house who knows what a list looks like? It's a list. Now, here's the deal. A couple of those things on the list were for us, the household. That's fine. That's fair. Everything else on that list was something for her that she... But she just didn't have time to get done in the preparation of the busyness of everything else. She couldn't get it done. Everything else was for her. So this morning early, I don't know exactly what her day holds today or how soon she was starting her day. But early this morning, I typed her a text. I just said, uh, I just want you to know I got this, 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 this. I really, I got the whole list done. And she wrote back and she said, thank you so much. I wish I could find it. Maybe I can right here. She said, thank you so much for taking care of that and everything else you do for me. I am so grateful for you. I love you. Can I just tell you, this little heart right here went pity-patter. It was in that moment I decided, I think I want to keep her. Now, you all know how that story goes. It's more like her, she's going to have to put up with me. That's how, we all know that's how that goes. But I just happened to notice how much, how far gratitude went. We've been married 42 and a half years and still able to say thank you. Thank you for what you did. Thank you for helping me with that. Thank you. And what did it make me want to do? I want to go clean the whole house this morning. I didn't. But the point in all this is gratitude goes so far. Just an expression of gratitude. Our two best defenses are humility and gratitude. Let's never be guilty of focus on what we got instead of who gave it to us. Can you say amen to that?
Would you bow your head in prayer?